Hi everyone, welcome back to Prevention Nation, where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence. I'm your host, Roy Lutz. Hey, so we have a silly question for you before we jump into this. Um, Caitlin, you want to ask him? Yeah, um, so we were talking about The Last of Us last week. Um, we were doing... Do you know, are you familiar with the show? Vaguely. So okay. if you ask me anything in particular, yeah, I'm probably going to be... No, no, okay. no particular. <laughs> we were just talking about caring adults and The Last of Us. This is kind of this apocalyptic world. And kind of crossing into that, um, we do like these icebreaker questions. It's the beginning of all. Yeah, and, and right now it's just so pertinent because it feels like we're living in a dystopian society. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it, it feels like we're in an apocalypse mm-hmm. right now. I mean, I don't know if you feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Watch the news, look at social media, yeah. think, what in the world is going on? Yeah. But to kind of bring some light to that, so if you had to pick three people to be on your team for an apocalyptic world, who are you picking? Wow. That's a great question. Uh, Hundred percent, my wife. Um, oh, really? Wow, my wife better not listen to this podcast. That so, was not one of my picks. Um, so she uh, and of course, I I love her. She's wife, great teammate, all of that. But she's also just she's tough. She's so versatile. Um, and I think yeah, if you're if you're there, you need somebody who can care for all the things that most people don't see. And she sees all of those things. Man, so since we're sitting in Lebanon, um, I'm going to say, so there, a friend of mine, and we're actually not that close anymore. We, yeah. we only talk a couple times a year, but when we do reconnect, it's like somebody you've yeah. like never you know, had an absence from. But I graduated with him, and he's actually the mayor of Lebanon now. His name's Mark Messer, but outdoorsman, uh, like hunter, um, um, and then maybe, oh man. I know only three. How are you going to pick I know, this is kids? really tough. Um, so maybe somebody who's really, really great at farming though. So we're going to need, we're going to need some food. Okay. So hunting is one thing, but being able to, to, you know, so anyway, my friend Dean, that, that'd probably be it right there. So he's, he's, uh, uh, inactive Marine. Uh, okay. Um, but, set. but he also, yeah, he's, he's does the whole, home the homes, the homestead thing. Oh, so okay. he's got chickens and gardens and all kinds of stuff on his land. Basically him and his wife are kind of like out to figure out how do we live mm-hmm. off of what we have and not go to the grocery? How can got we it. do it? And he's really wow. good at it. I was just talking to somebody uh, on the phone. Uh, actually, as I was getting my coffee <laughs> on the way here, and um, we were talking about um, his his daughter is in a situation with her spouse um, where, uh, you know, he's he's um, pretty difficult, mm-hmm. right? Just, let's just say that, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, and so he's trying to counsel his daughter, you know, how to do this, and so... There's some wedges being created, you know, in the family and that kind of a thing. And I said, at some point, um, she has to own her own decisions in this. Mm-hmm. And so even if even if he's saying, um, you know, I, I want you as your spouse, I want you to do this, this, and this, and your, your family's hurting you or harming you or whatever, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, she has to take ownership to know um, 
like what what am I going to do? What what do I want for my relationship with my spouse? What do I want for my relationship with my family? Yeah. And so often in like in our world and what's really really easy to do is to blame other people. And as soon as we blame somebody for something else, what we're saying is, well, until you change your behavior or until you change your perspective or until you fix this, I can't be happy. I can't be fulfilled. Right. And when we, when we place blame on somebody else, really all we're doing is deferring responsibility Absolutely. for ourselves and our own story to somebody else. And so one of the questions that we ask in, um, in the focus session of what we do in the classroom is um, what past experience, um, current circumstance, or um, future event is keeping you from living a life that you love? And when we talk about good life, the way that we define good life yeah. is it's the life that you love. There may be things um, that that you would answer and think, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I love my life. And let me think about that a little bit more. Well, in um, in your internal peace, yeah. do you, you know, your internal self, are you experiencing mostly pain or mostly peace? Well, I don't know. I think I'm probably anxious a whole lot. <laughs> or I'm, I'm dealing with fear a whole yeah, lot. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so th- that's that's a big one for me. You know, that feels like there's so much going on all the time. Everything's so fast-paced. There's so yeah. many things. Yeah. And so it's it's hard to turn your mind off at night. And do I need to medicate myself with more scrolling right. until I fall asleep? Because I can't just be at peace in my own mind and let today's coming. problems rest and wake up tomorrow and do what I can do today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so how do I get to that place? Well, what about in my relationships? Do I experience mostly peace in those or mostly pain? Uh, In my decisions, do my decisions bring me mostly peace? Or do my decisions bring me mostly pain? Am I happy today with the decisions I made yesterday? Have they led me to a place that I'm actually, I'm glad I made that decision? Or is it looking back with a little bit of regret, pain and despair? Why did I do that? (laughs) You know, or why did I do that again? Or I can't believe I did that. And are they bringing mostly pain? When you think about your future, do, do I anticipate mostly pain ahead for myself or mostly peace? And so when you start to evaluate some of those things, and we take them through a process to do just that. Where Is that actually, like the four Fs, that focus, uh-huh. friends, freedom, future? Yeah, yeah. And so those, yeah, those are kind of the four areas. And we so we say those are the four core areas of life. And so we call that um, the four-factor life. The four factor. And so focus, friends, freedom, freedom, future. And focus is that inside you. Um friends is your relationships freedom is choices and your future is adding value to yourself in the world around you long term and so if we were able to experience some peace in those areas and make progress in that right it's never perfect it's never i've arrived in any of these areas right but i'm on a daily weekly monthly journey toward um, peace in those areas and what that would look like then i can be on that path where maybe I could experience a life in two months, five months, five years, whatever, where I say, I, I love my life. I love the life that I live. And, um, and so we, we kind of uh, measure that sometimes against or kind of, you know, it, it's the life you love versus the life that's just full of the things I have, the things I do, and the things I accomplish. And often yeah. we're taught that, well, when you get that degree, well, then you'll have then you'll have fulfillment in life. Yeah, it's always um, that next step. Right. Well, I mean, we do that with little kids. I mean, as a, as a father, you must have done this, but I, I know I did. 
um, with a little baby, we were like, oh, I can't wait until they can just smile. I need some reciprocation mm-hmm. in this relationship. They smile, and it's like, oh, that's great, but I, when they can talk, it's going to be really yep. good. And then, Absolutely. oh, when they can crawl, when they can walk, when they can... And each step, and it feels like you're never... I mean, my wife and I, uh, we went through a stage where... Uh, it happened one day. We were sitting at home. We were trying to watch a TV show, and uh, it was our first child. She was in uh, one of those um, extra saucers, mm-hmm. and we were sitting there, and uh, there was a person on the TV just about to say something we wanted to hear, and she was like, bang, 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 mm. and both of us instantly were like, we felt like the blood pressure go up, and we're like, just quiet down, and we stopped, and we we had a great conversation together. We decided right yeah. then, turn the TV off. Yeah, We're so focused on this next future, but we're missing her bouncing right now and the smiles on her face. 100%. So we just realized, and all of a sudden, the stress in our life as a couple, mm-hmm. parents, young parents, realized the stress, we felt the stress just like wash away. We weren't, we didn't have competing goals. Our our child's life and, and growth wasn't competing with our desire to watch this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, it became super focused on our kid and the things that were important yeah. to us. So. It's weird when you just are able to yeah. get that kind of insight and focus on yeah. what's mad, what yeah. matters. So. It's so good. Um, and, yeah, you're watching your kids grow is a phenomenal example of that, for yeah. sure. And I think that we we just often do that every day. And especially the, if, we could, if we could help frame a mindset for a middle school and a high school student that it's it's not just the next thing. And so we, we go through in the very beginning, what do, you, what do you think of when you think about the good life? And so we put some images on the screen. You know what my image is. And so a big house. Um, we put four options for these really nice vehicles. You know, which one would you want? One, two, three, or four. Um, and and so we, you know, we put all these different things, vacations, you know, things like that. And so a beautiful picture of a beach somewhere with a bungalow over the water, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so you might think of those things as good life. And then Right. Yeah. And then we, then we have a picture of somebody, you know, moving their tassel from one side to the other. How many of you think life would be good if I could just graduate, if I could just be done with this high school experience? And of course, everybody in there. Yeah. Like that would be great. Everybody raises their hand on that one. Mm-hmm. But so it's always the next thing. And we're so busy trying to get to the next thing. And when we get the next thing, it's empty, you know. And yeah. um, And one of my mentors that I just that I mentioned earlier um, I was probably, it was very early on, probably 19 or 20, and he ended up being on our founding uh, board for a nonprofit. But he was a pretty wealthy guy, and um, he said, you know, money is not very important unless you don't have any. Right. And so, you know, he's saying... You can't take it with you. He's so achieved it, yeah. right. And so he's, you know, the more you have, the more you realize it's really not that important. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, of course, on the other end, if you don't have any, then the that, that makes a pretty difficult ever. life too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, somewhere, you know, living, living present in that and being in the moment. Here's here's where I am today. What can I do today? What can I do now with what I have and who I am? The young person, yeah. like you said, we're putting these pictures, things we want, they think that we think is the good life, yeah. but in the end, we're going to look back on it and say those things weren't the good life. We wouldn't yeah. draw the same picture backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah, absolutely. Have- 23 so like i just graduated college two yeah. years ago but the year that i graduated college so i graduated in may i bought a house in july mm. i got married in um october oh. and i was like i have to have all of these things so that i can be happy mm-hmm. check 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 and i quickly realized that me putting this pressure on my life created this pressure on this other person that is supposed to be like the life partner 
um, putting um, assumptions onto what our life, our relationship needs to look like. And then that next year, my life was just completely, I did all these things that were supposed to make me happy, and I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. So I had to spend a long time thinking about, like, and I did the same thing you were talking about, you know, putting the blame on the other people. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, it wasn't until I sat in the moment, like, oh, I, what, what choices am, am I making that mm-hmm. are affecting my life? So, I mean, literally after high school, I was like, yeah, I'm going to graduate college in three years because I want to seem super impressive. Mm-hmm. And it does seem impressive. And I get that all the time. Like, wow. And it's like, that feels good for literally two seconds. Yeah. It's like, how do you get that across to teenagers mm-hmm. better than going through that? Like, no, but it'll be super cool. But will it? Mm-hmm. But if that internal self, if, I mean, if I'm hearing you right, Nate, that the internal self, if that's not being fulfilled, you can you can fill in that hole mm-hmm. with all these things all you want, but you're still going to be empty. Yeah. You're still going to be struggling. You're never going to yeah. reach that good life. Yeah. Right? yeah. And um, so we we have done a series of assemblies at um, Montgomery County uh, CTC. Okay. And so it's all uh, it's all juniors who come in. And so they bring them in 500 at a time. And um, we do an assembly style uh, talk with them. But one of the things that we talk about in there is, you know, when you get into the workplace, you you come out of here and you're going to be really well equipped. Your teachers are great. Like they're teaching you how to weld. They're teaching you how to fix an AC unit or, you know, how to, how to work in a salon and and do all the services that you can provide there. And so they're going to assume like, okay, this person, they, they know how to weld. Right. It's the things beyond that. They're going to set you apart. And so how you show up, and that's kind of the question that we kind of thread throughout, is how do you show up? It's not, the end goal is not that you're married. It's who am I in my marriage? Exactly. What kind of spouse am I to my husband, to my wife? Um, how do I show up as a dad? How do I show up as a student? How do I show up as an employee? And so when you can go to bed at night and you can know, here's how I treated people today. Here's the decisions that I made in my life that are leading me toward the story that I want to tell. And so in spite of things that happen to me, which is very important, it's not like we just go in and say, you know, hey, everybody go make good choices and everything in your life's going to be great. It's there are so many things in life that you can't predict. You can't see coming. There are things that are going to be unfair. Um, You're going to be put into a situation and it seems like you know, everything in you just wishes that you could trade places with somebody else because their situation seems so much better, mm-hmm. so much different. And so there are things that are that are unfair, things that you didn't ask for. You didn't ask to be born into the family you were in, into the neighborhood you were in, into the social status you were in. You, you didn't ask for a lot of that stuff, but it is where you are. And so right, wrong, fair, not fair, where are you now and what can you do today with what you have? And, and that's the bottom line. When you know, I did something today that was one step toward where I want to be in life um, and, and what I want for the story of my life, that would be a good life. So I actually wrote the, um, the GLS, which is Good Life Leadership Society. I wrote that playbook first. And that, that was actually the first thing I ever did. I, I started going into schools in 2015 just as a guest speaker one time into an eighth grade leadership class. And she said, Will you come in and just talk about life? Okay. Talk about life. Talk about life. All right. So I picked something, you know. And she said, the kids loved it. Will you come back again? Yeah. And so from 2015 to 2020, I went into that same eighth grade leadership class at Warner Middle School in Xenia. uh, And uh, I went into that class twice a month. And so I did it for five years. And so in 
partnering with more schools, more principals, administrators, and all of that, realized, um, you know, there's a real need here, right? And so all the things that we talked about, and whether you call it prevention or a school that is trying to implement a PBIS plan or life skills or or SEL, you know, any of that stuff. Okay, our our program, we can check all the boxes. Call it SEL, call it PBIS, that's fine, prevention. At the end of the day, I was just trying to help kids. (laughs) And so you put whatever title you want on it, and it fits all those boxes and all that. But I didn't know what any of that was when we started. And so I, I had this desire to help in a more intentional way. And I thought there's really something here. Um, it's solving a need. It's, it's helping address a problem that schools and teachers, administrators, districts have. And, and it's genuinely helping. You know, the students would write me notes about when you said this, this, and this, um, it changed the way I thought about this forever. You know, and I, I talked about, um, we talk about in future or in the focus session, embracing tension that makes us stronger. And so instead of ignoring, numbing, or resisting those difficult things, um, what can you do now to step into that a little bit? Mm-hmm. And so I said one of the things is, you know, we all have somebody in our family as an example who, you know, an aunt and an uncle or, or two aunts or whatever that, you know, it's been years since they've spoken to one another. And there's such tension there where one or the other weren't willing to embrace the tension and come to the table and, re- and resolve that. And so this seventh grade girl wrote me this note. She said, I live in the same house with my dad, but we haven't spoken to each other for months. We don't, we don't talk to each other at all. And um, it's, it's not what I want for my relationship with my dad. And this so was she, a seventh grader? This was a seventh grader. And so I said, one of the things, you know, as an example, some of you might need to embrace the tension in a relationship that's not where you want it to be and step into that pain and try to do something about it. And so she went home and she wrote her dad a letter and told him, here's what I want for our relationship. I'm sorry for my part in this. And um, anyway, she she wrote me a note about all that she had done and their relationship was completely restored. And should the dad, you know, have been the leader in that relationship? Okay, yeah. But the seventh grade girl said, I want to do something about this. And, and, And so anyway, it was story after story like that as I was just going in and talking about stuff. Yeah. In life, and so how can I put this into a framework that if, if it's just Nate, okay, I, I can only impact so many, yeah. and I want to I want to do that as much as I possibly can. You want to create a model that you can replicate yeah. in other places with others. But how can I give other adults a tool yeah. where they could come alongside and like what I had experienced growing up with all these mentors and all these people in my life that really helped me on that path? How could I make that possible? Because I really thought and I believe still that there are so many adults out there who really do want to help, mm-hmm. but they're not sure how. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first, I, my, my wife actually got tired of hearing me talk about it. <laughs> and some friends of ours, uh, older couple in our life, they own a home in Florida and she worked it out. Could Nate go stay there for free for three days? And they said, yes, of course. She bought me a plane ticket and she said, go right. And she was like, don't do any of your other normal stuff that you don't answer phone calls, don't respond this to emails. That was a product of three days. That was a product of three days. I came out that that has fifty-two weeks, fifty-two sessions in there, and I came back with forty-eight. Um, and that was all I did for three days in Fort Myers, Florida. You done with seven. There you go. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's, right. God That's right. There you go. <laughs> so. Um, and so it it was the idea of a tool and a framework. How could you help lead students through an intentional process to think about the things that are actually going to help them become self-aware and grow? And um, I think the framework for there of the connect is there's a lot of research out there 
about the effectiveness of any counselor, therapist, or anyone. Um, a greater part of the effectiveness of that counseling session is the rapport that the counselor has with the client. Absolutely. And so if I can connect with people first and we can connect in a way that's meaningful, that'll get us part of the way there, right? Then a question is not me just telling you what I think you should do, but it's helping you discover what you believe you should do. And, and so the question is all about that self-awareness and arriving at something on your own. And the challenge is um, knowledge can only take you so far. You have to put that into action. And so what kind of action can you take to actually practice what you're saying that you want for your life in some way that's going to lead you where you want to be? So that's kind of the framework and, and why that was there. And so in the journal itself, we added the, the affirmation part, the belief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as they're writing, for them to have that reminder, uh, I can do this. I can have meaningful relationships with others. It's a critical step. I, I mean, it's really yeah. it's what jumped out to me most. Yeah. I mean, and every I mean, I think the books probably speak to every student a little bit differently, depending yeah. upon where their story is. Right. But I mean, the affirmation part—that's critical because yeah. I mean, as, as a kid, when you think of like, I mean, really poor example, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like mm-hmm. you know, self yeah. self actualization or realization. Mm-hmm. Like, I, as a fifteen year old kid, that wasn't even realistic. I didn't have mm-hmm. a future that was ahead of me, so mm-hmm. it was right now. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that would have been really important for me. I don't know. I think that's why, you know, and I don't know for our listeners, I think, uh, you know, we, you know, it's probably helpful to know that we invited Nate here because he came and spoke at our, one of our collective impact. Uh, and you really spoke to me back then. Your story did because um, I too just, I, I, I just very much believe, and I believe it's a Maya Angelou quote, um, they won't remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Hmm. Um, that's my goal in every, every classroom I go into, every setting I go into. Yeah. I, I just try to create a space where yeah. I, you're not going to walk away from this going, oh, you know, so Roy said this quote and this right. thing. But they're going to say, man, that was awesome that in that space while Roy was there, we could do this and we could do this and we could talk about this yeah. and share this and felt good and safe and comfortable doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, Absolutely. I just think this is really cool. Is there is there anything else you'd want listeners to know about, you know, like yeah. how would they get a hold of you? And I can put your stuff in the, yeah. like your um, link to your, the cleft uh, yeah. page website. Is yeah. there anything else you'd want me to put in like the show notes? No, I, I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think through that, um, but I, I want good.org is is the website, and um, you can look through there and see. I want good.org. Yep, and um, and you can see what what we do and how we serve schools. Um, and so we have classroom classroom teaching. We have mentoring programs. We have things that teachers can implement in their own classroom. We have the self guided workbook um, that can kind of be used in any of those threads. We're working on a sports piece right now. Yeah, yeah, and so we've we've just been getting a lot of feedback from coaches. You know, um, how can I how can I help my players? You know, through this, and um, and so yeah, we're kind of piloting that this year, and so uh, of course we can do assemblies and, and professional development for teachers and things like that. But all, all of that is laid out on the site, and there's one minute videos that kind of give an overview of each of those um, kind of tools that we have, but. I think maybe I like to leave everybody with the story because I'm guessing probably a lot of people who listen to this yeah. are in the prevention space Absolutely. Yeah. and um, just the, the impact that, that you can have. And so for all the people that I mentioned earlier in my story who were mentors and showed up for me in a meaningful way, um, the, the earliest one that I can remember, and I, I think I shared this at the group, but <clears throat> uh, was a guy named John Hess and he was my fourth grade principal. As a fourth grade student, I was in his office quite a bit, and I was always in trouble for something. 
And so he called me to the office and he said, do you know why you're here? And I said, not this time. And, um, and so he pulled his chair around and this moment was so impactful to me that I still remember what he was wearing. And of course I'm a visual person, graphic design by trade, all of that. But, um, he was wearing a gray suit, brown penny loafers, a white shirt, burgundy tie with, with white polka dots. And he pulled his chair around. He got kind of face to face with me a little bit closer. And he said, uh, I called you down here because I see something in you that you may not see in yourself. And so for those that are familiar with good life at all, one of the key phrases that we try to encourage teachers with, um, that we encourage teach or students with in the classroom, and we, we say this to every student that we're in front of, and I would say to every um, everyone who does prevention work listening to this, is, is a motto that I think this principle must have lived by, and it's one that I've been trying to live by, and I'm intentional to do that. And it's, it's the idea of seeing every life. And seeing every life for what they've been through and what they can do. And when you look at what uh, people have been through, it opens up a door for empathy and understanding and care and concern and support. But what they can do also illuminates the potential for what can be and illuminates the possibility for their life. And so when we see people in that way, they can have an experience like what I had as a fourth grader. I see something in you you don't see in yourself. And he said, next year. And so when you talk about the framework in the book, he gave me a challenge. He gave me a way to step into um, practicing what he believed in me that I didn't even believe for myself yet as a fourth grader. He said, next year, I'm splitting our school into 24 squads. And he said, I've selected 23 fifth graders who are going to be sixth graders next year. They're going to be the squad captains. He said, you're only going to be in fifth grade. But what I see in you is leadership potential. And he said, I want you to be the captain of squad number 24 as a fifth grader. And so for the next two years, I stepped into that role and into that challenge, um, into that action to become something that he saw in me and I learned to believe for myself. And that's the power of prevention when you step into that. And so as a fourth grade student, I began to see myself differently as a leader and somebody who could add value um, to others and in turn that add value to my own life. And I've been on that journey ever since, but it started with my fourth grade principal in one conversation. And so just the encouragement there is, is as we're all doing this work and the, the needs can just seem endless Mm -hmm. and the world that we're living in, it seems so difficult and it seems so tough to make any amount of change or progress in a forward direction. Yeah. And so what, what we never want to do is unfortunately what a lot of people do. And it's, I, I can't solve everything. And so I do nothing, mm-hmm. but we believe that everybody can do something. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And so one, one conversation can change, change the direction of somebody's life and um, showing up every day. I'm going to see every life and I'm going to do with what I, what I have, do what I can with what I have. And really who I am. So yeah. Yeah, I Thank knew you. I knew that's why I liked you. Our <laughs> listeners, uh, um, the cleft, uh, the good life uh, playbook. These things are. I mean, just this is about internal resilience. It's about one caring adult. Yeah. Uh, what's the saying that? Uh, I mean, Caitlin, you got to help me out with this oh, one. Oh, um, um, every child is one caring adult away from a success story. That's good. That's like yeah. the um, whole premise behind our um, caring adults campaign. That hmm. on. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Nate. It was such a pleasure having you on our podcast. I think our listeners are going to so enjoy um, hearing about your program, reading your show notes, and hopefully visiting your websites and booking you guys. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. Okay, well, thank you so much. Freedom is the power to own your own story.